Wind whipped the rain-soaked body of the forty-something male who lay prostrate on the pavement. Two pennies, one shiny, one dull, sat on his closed eyelids. Even so, FBI agent Angel Carter thought he looked shocked, as if he couldn't believe he was dead. Behind her, a Boston police officer made notes and muttered. About the federal presence, Angel imagined. Or maybe he didn't like the traditional time-of-death pool taking place around him. Four hours, one of the patrols said. It's forty degrees, another argued. Factor in the wind chill, and we're talking thirty or less. The guy's stiff and blue. I'll go under three. Their voices swirled around Angel's head, like the stinging pellets of rain. She studied the corpse and waited patiently for the official pronouncement of death. At length, the medical examiner stripped off his gloves and blew on his hands. Someone sliced him up real good, Angel, he pointed. Open the carotid artery, which is why you'll find a diluted stream of blood from the dock halfway to your place. Guy's big and well-built. Probably put up a fight, but only with one hand. He was trying to stem the blood flow with the other. One of the uniforms leaned in. How long do you figure, Doc? I'm in for three and a half hours. Joe's the one who puts the stamp on the time of death, Angel reminded him. I only confirm that he is, in fact, dead. The medical examiner signaled the ambulance attendants. And this one definitely is. Has been since a minute or two after the knife sliced his neck. Angel had trained herself long ago not to let a victim's facial expression affect her. Easier to focus on the wounds. As the M.E. left, Angel's eyes followed the gash on the victim's neck. It's a jagged slash. Either the killer had an unsteady hand or the victim was struggling. Second thing makes more sense. Uninterested, the uniform moved off. Another pair of boots sloshed in. The woman wearing them hunkered down. The victim's name is Lionel Forrett. Forty-two years old. Officially, he lived in Boston, but his work appears to have taken him between here and D.C. Government? So his soggy credentials say. State Department. Bergman might know more by the time we check in. He has the look of a politician. Or a lawyer. Whatever he is, Bergman barked at me to get down here. And in the year and a half I've known him, he's never barked. Ditto. Liz fingered the man's coat. His clothes say major money, but with the exception of his driver's license and a few credit cards, his wallet's empty. My guess is he was rolled by a junkie. The skin on Angel's neck tingled, as if an army of invisible ants were marching across it. She glanced behind her. Do you feel something, Liz? Other than waterlogged? I think we're being watched. FBI agent Elizabeth Thomas blew out a steamy breath. Any thief desperate enough to slice a guy in this weather won't be hanging around to observe the cleanup crew. He's long gone, and probably high as Franklin's kite by now, which is why we'll nail him before first light. If the perp's an addict. Okay, it's an assumption, but my money's on the easy answer this time. Sensation, like a finger stroked across the back of her neck, sent a shiver of reaction down Angel's spine. Okay, this is way too weird. She whipped her head around but saw only shadows behind the fish processing plant.
Someone's back there. Liz rose with her. I promise you, Angel, there's no one. We told the cops to secure the area, and they did. All shadows duly checked, all boxes on the list ticked empty. She nudged her partner's high-heeled boot with her toe. Maybe your brain's starting to freeze. You're not exactly dressed for this weather.